Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. So, good evening and welcome to Charlton Life. This is the Big Match Preview. My name is Louis Mendes. We'll be looking ahead to Saturday's trip to Gillingham and discussing one or two other little bits of litigation that have come up uh, this week on the Big Match Preview. Joining me online to do just that. First up, we've got the uh, the man who now models cars for a living. It's Mr. Lewis Cat. How you doing, Lou? Yeah, fine, mate. You okay? Yeah, not too bad. How's your week been? I notice you've, uh, you- you've taken up a bit of car modelling. Well, that's it. You know, with my uh, with my actual day job being a little bit restricted this year with with COVID and the pay cuts, I've had to resort to you know modelling Range Rovers on the side of pitches. But uh, I don't know if I get paid as much for that as uh, as I would for my normal job anyway. I don't think anyone wants to see that. But yeah, it was good fun yesterday. Very very strange, but symbolic. Yeah, I'm sure you can work your way up to page three in no time at all. And uh, also join us on the pod, uh, a proud Welshman who knows the amount of caps that Chris Gunter has off by heart. It's Mr. Tom Wallin. How you doing, Tom? Yeah, off by heart slash Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, but, you just had to... how was your week? Uh, I'm glad international football's over, I have to say. When Johnny Williams isn't even playing and uh, England are losing to Belgium, there's not really much to watch, to be honest. No, so, not, no- yeah. nothing there for anyone. I never thought I'd look forward to an away day at Gillingham that I can't even go to, but there we go. <laughs> Such is the modern yeah. world. Yeah, in, in a weird way, I guess the fact the fact that you know you can't go to Gillingham probably does I mean, lift your spirits in a way. That is a plus because that away yeah. stand is awful. Although yeah. last time I was there, me and Naif saw possibly the drunkest man we've ever seen step in some dog poo and then try and wipe it off all the walk back to the station. So that was quite funny. Excellent. I'm guessing that drunkest man was Nathan himself, and he carried a mirror <laughs> I'm saying with nothing. him. <laughs> right. So uh, on this week's show, as I said, we'll look, we'll look ahead to the the Gillingham game uh, later on. We'll probably have a quick listen back to the goals from the Pizza Cup a couple of weeks ago, and, and maybe discuss that. But first of all, obviously, in 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 the two weeks we've been off, it's all kicked off really, as as is the way with uh, Charlton Athletic Football Club. As for this this time last week, sitting there having my dinner, and and all of a sudden there's this this breaking story about Paul Elliott sort of trying to kick up a bit of a fuss and basically sending uh, Thomas Sangard a, a, well, an order, but, you know, it's, it's an order from him, so not from anyone important, uh, telling him to leave the club. Um, this has all sort of rebounded this week a bit more with uh, with both Sangard and Elliot appearing on TalkSport and in various other parts uh, of the media. But, you know, it's, it's got tongues wagging, Tom. Uh, the whole situation a, a bit confusing, I guess, from the outside. But basically, the court case that was going to be between Paul Elliott's lot and Tanun Namir's lot has been settled in Elliott's favour because basically Tanun just buggered off and just said, nothing to do with me anymore, Gov. So now that means that the court have effectively 
uh, decided that Paul Elliott does own ESI, but now he's trying to claim that that means that ESI should never have sold Cholton to Thomas Sangard when it happened. Uh, Elliott claiming that simply it was not uh, ESI or, or those people's at the time asset to sell. Obviously, Sangard is convinced that the sale is legally watertight and there's nothing to be concerned about. Um, but I mean, it, it's certainly got a few people. You know, uncertain about what's going on, Tom. What have you made of the last the last couple of weeks in terms of this? Oh, I've missed it. Yeah, I've missed it. <laughs> Winning games and you know, calmness in the boardroom isn't really for me. Um, I think Tanoon's just an amazing character. Any, we we need to explore him a little bit more at some point. Some of the stories that have just gone on and the fact he's now just completely disappeared is just just amazing. But. I'm not worried. First of all, I think I, I trust. I think it's Freshfields, isn't it, that Sangard has? Um, so he's got a you know a decent law firm um, behind him. I'm sure they're going to have been very careful in the the due diligence that they undertook to ensure that the deal was watertight. And certainly Sangard seems to think that. Um, so in terms of who owns the club and us going forward, I'm not too concerned that Paul Elliott has got any legs to stand on. It's disruptive, of course, um, but Sangard again is trying to downplay that as much as he can. Um, and if if Paul Elliott ever did put some money in, which is what he's suggesting, I understand that he's going to be a bit annoyed that he wants to recoup that money. But frankly, that's all got that has to get played out in the courts to find out, you know, whether he put it in. If he put it in as a gesture of good faith, then it's his own fault. If he put it in because he had some legal claim then that's a different story um and that i imagine will get picked picked up on and, and investigated but the most important thing for us as fans obviously is that you know we're comfortable under thomas sangard he's made positive steps already um not cheap tricks as, as elliot suggested um he's invested money as he said we've made signings and we're winning games which ultimately as a fan is what you want to see so there's a lot of positivity around the club and, and i don't want this to to bring it down and largely across the fan base from what I've seen across social media and forums and bits and pieces and certainly what the club have done this week. It sounds like nobody is too concerned um, and it will be nice when football comes around again on Saturday that we can focus back on the pitch. Um, but yeah, just a, a bizarre addition to the story that we thought perhaps had or certainly had forgotten about. I don't know if we thought it was done, but I'd certainly forgotten all about it until he cropped up earlier this week. But um, yeah, I'm not too concerned is, is my kind of takeaway from it all. Mm, yeah, Lewis, I mean, obviously people are going to be sitting there trying to find out what Paul Elliott's um, motives are in, in this in, in this department. I mean, realistically, he's probably looking for a payoff. I don't think he realistically expects to take hold of the running of the club and uh, to, uh, you know, start, start trying. So, you know, it, it, for many, I think it's quite clear what his motives are. Yeah, 100%. It screams of desperation, doesn't it? And we we spoke about it briefly uh, yesterday over WhatsApp, didn't we, about how it was like he didn't come across incredibly well anyway. He came across, you know, probably worse than than he would have wanted to. Um, and like we've said, it just seems like he's after that one last payday to, to go away. And whether Thomas calls that bluff and, and leaves it, and and it goes away. I don't know whether he does go, look, you know what, here's this, clear off. It, there's a lot that to be looked into, I suppose. But from in terms of the the threat to him, you know, removing Sangard, I don't 
I don't have any concerns really. I mean, naturally, when it first came out, probably like many, I was a bit concerned <laughs> because you feel like we'd we've got comfortable, hadn't we? Since he's taken over, we're playing great football. We're performing well in the division, and it seems all stable again. And these shows are majority, you know, the majority of the shows taken up with talking about football again, which is great. Uh, and then something like this pops up, and and as Tom said, it's like, well, you can't have must be a record for us to go that long without something, you know, trying to chuck a spanner in the works, but. I feel like Thomas is incredibly savvy when it comes to this sort of stuff. And he probably would have prepared for, for something like this to come out of the woodwork, um, given the sort of high profile fallout between Paul Elliott and ESI. I think something was always going to maybe come back to haunt us a little bit. Whether it actually does go on to haunt us, I, I highly doubt. I think Thomas would have done his done his work in the background. He's mentioned many times that he's spent a lot of money on his legal teams to go through everything in the in the finest of details to ensure that that there are no hiccups along the way and and you know what I I do trust him I really do so I'm not letting it distract you know what the positive start to the season we've had and how well we're performing at the moment because I think that's what they want they just want a reaction and we you know they don't deserve a reaction out of us we just need to carry on cheering on the boys and and focusing on our football because at the moment it's a it's a real pleasure to watch Charlton again and everything seems really settled in the boardroom with Thomas and it, it feels so much better to be a Charlton fan you know than 12 months ago that's for sure mm, yeah well, I mean one of the main things that, that you pick up over over, over the last over a couple of weeks when, when it came out last week uh, I've I had a conversation with someone and, and just asking a few questions but my, my initial reaction was well I mean they haven't actually done anything yet. All they've done is written a letter. If they want to take this further, then surely that's what they have to do next. The ball is in their court to, to go and do that. And um, that, I mean, even Simon Jordan agreed with me on uh, on Talkspot this week, Tom. If, if you have a specific position, a, a position of strength, where you can go and order about people, then you'd go and do it rather than just go and tell them you're, you're going to do it. I remember, I remember ages ago, when like when it, whenever the, the Matt South used to say, oh, well, this news is going to come out at some day. So if you've got proof and stuff, like, go and do it. So it's the same with Paul Elliott. Like, don't just talk about it. If you actually have the wherewithal to go and get this into in front of a court and you think you're going to win it, then why are you sitting here and not doing it straight away? It's the, uh, the I won the election tweet, isn't it, basically? Um, you can say what you want, but the facts speak for themselves. And, and you're right, they... They've made a lot of noise, and it would be it could be intimidating to to somebody who you know doesn't have a legal team behind them or isn't used to running a business of that size. If you receive a letter like that and it says, uh, you know, I'm serving notice or whatever, you know, it could make you nervous and it could make you anxious, and you know that wouldn't be a surprise. But Thomas Sangard is a savvy businessman of many years. He has one of the best legal teams in London behind him in terms of unpicking or making sure that his deal is watertight. And as you say, they're not answering any questions. Simon Jordan, you know, when he, he was on TalkSpot, I mean, why they gave him the air on TalkSpot in the first place is, is a question that needs answering. But he gets on there uh, and they ask him questions and they say, well, prove it. And he, he just comes out with some wishy-washy excuse about, oh, I can't because it's legal. Well, you're the one who's been very public in making that initial claim to Thomas Sangard. So how come you can do that bit, but you can't do anything else? It's just, it stinks of of just lack of clarity at the very best way to put it. Um, and it's in keeping with how they run, in inverted commas, the club when they claim to be in charge in the first place. I don't think they've ever done anything that has shown any 
savvy or business nous or anything. They're just a, it, the whole thing comes across as a bit of a shambles, a bit of a two-bit operation. Um, and as you've both indicated, it suggests that he's probably in it to just try and get a payoff. But um, and I'm sure if he is owed one and he is legitimately owed one, Sangard seems to indicate he will pay it. And I think my understanding is they're working through expenses at the moment to work out what should and shouldn't be paid. But he's certainly not just going to pay him to go away. And, and I don't think he should. I think uh, this needs to be dealt with properly. And and hopefully we can then focus on, on the football again going forward. Because as we've all said, the last six weeks or so have been very positive for the club. Because mm, the way the way it was reported last week, you know, so, so a lot of the wording was, you know, I mean, the, the headline on the BBC website uh, w- was uh, basically Charlton Charlton owner Thomas Sangard uh, issued with notice to leave club. It makes it sound like it's come from a specific court order or something like that, but realistically, it's just a man writing a letter to another man telling him to do something. Like I could write a letter to Lewis saying get out of your house. It doesn't mean in. The headline's going to be Lewis Cat ordered to like leave own house. Doesn't mean you're going to do it, does it? It's just it, it's 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 clearly like they're they're trying to play sides off in in the media, Lewis. But you know, as as I said previously, if if you've actually got something behind you that that, that can force your your case, then you'd actually go and do it rather than just rattling a lot of cages on the on BBC Sport or on Talksport. Yeah, that's it. You know, drumming up the clickbait and the worry amongst fans just to get people talking is obviously their motive, which, you know, given the the complete neglect that they showed the football club when they were here slash weren't really here because they, they hadn't passed any of the proper tests, you, you think it's kind of the cheek, isn't it, really? Like the, the cheek of them is just insane. But nothing surprises me with that group of people because it, they, they obviously just proving themselves time and time and again to be you know to be cronies really like it's just the whole the whole thing is just laughable and i was a little bit annoyed with some of the headlines that were coming out because it is just the the clickbait mentality isn't it where you naturally as a charlton supporter what we've been through over the last couple of seasons and even under roland as well you you think you always assume the worst when you see something in the media it automatically makes you jump to the worst case scenario but it's strange for us it's just sad for us really that that's our mindset because of what we've been through when now we've got Sandguard in place and and everything seems to be under control it's going to probably take us a while to adapt to that stability because you know he's come out now and over the coming weeks he's probably settled a lot of nerves I mean I know I was feeling a lot worse about it this time a week ago uh, when it came out and over time it just extinguished and extinguished and and as we went on articles came out and Thomas spoke and it calmed the whole situation down again and when I was there yesterday with the the pitch side Range Rover stuff everyone seemed pretty relaxed about it even in the club staff so it's just it's just a shame that you know for us they can use that um, as our weakness really just to get our backs up is to sort of sort of stoke the flames that we've been through a tough time as a football club and trying to sort of drum up that attention again you know a, a, a headline yesterday even as as early as yesterday at Talksport last night saying Charlton ownership at risk of becoming circus so yeah, no it isn't <laughs> like it, it hopefully isn't but it it isn't it's completely different and it, it's just a yeah I like I say I think it's a little bit sad that we're we're this like fragile fan base now because of what we've been through um but hopefully this is just a little you know an annoying uh, disturbance that will be that will be gone in a 
you know not in the not too distant future and we can just carry on progressing under under Thomas Sangard and and the future will be exciting but fingers crossed yeah certainly uh, I'm sure it will be now you mentioned there about people uh, being relaxed within the club one of those of course Lee Boyer asked about the uh, situation uh, during his press day today uh, asked if he was aware of what was going on off the field uh, yeah no I I just focus on what I'm paid to do and that's the football side of things uh, I expect these off the field problems uh, if there is a problem to, to get resolved um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't really listen to that. Uh, someone made me aware of it, but even then, I didn't even listen to to what was said on the radio or anything. So uh, no, I, I couldn't even tell you what was said. But all I know is that certain people are saying certain things, and uh, but yeah, it's it's not my concern. There we go. Then, as you can hear, Lee Bayer is absolutely not really concerned uh, about it at all, and nor is Thomas Sangard. You know, everything we've heard from him. Uh, he's very relaxed, you know. His uh, his discussions on the on, on talk sport and whatnot have, have been very comfortable, and it obviously all came to a head yesterday with this this absolutely superb uh, uh, our our club your car uh, idea that, that he's come up with now. So obviously the infamous Range Rovers over the last few um the, the last few months. Uh, I remember the the first time we saw them outside the valley, and we we're like, what were, what were these cars all about? And then obviously uh, it became such a symbol of everything that had been wrong over the last few months and everyone who's had their 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 uh, nose in the in the trough uh, seems to have had a, a Range Rover at some point and uh, well uh, Thomas has done his best to go and get them all back and now he's uh, by the sounds of it he's sold or auctioned most of them off to recoup some of the money into the club but he has managed to hold on to one and he's going to offer it to fans any fan that buys a, a Valley Pass uh, match ticket or you know match stream over the next few weeks is going to be entered into a, a raffle to have a chance of, of winning one of these 90 grand cars and it's an absolutely brilliant idea as they uh, apparently according to Thomas it's the one that they've taken back off Chris Farnell as well so you know if there's a way to, to get your own back on someone who you feel like has been a, a bit of a fawn in our side over the last few weeks and that'd be a, a lovely way to do it and they announced it yesterday with a uh, well we, like, like we said earlier Lewis with some car models so you you were the one of the men, uh, one of the people decided to go and uh, represent the fan base. I mean, how did that come about? And that, that must have been a, a remarkable day. And you've done well to keep quiet as well. Yeah, I, um, it, was, <laughs> well, it was really funny, really. I was at work on the Tuesday and uh, Tom Robichaud gave me a call and mentioned he had quite a bizarre request for me. Um, so automatically I was a bit like, what? It was just, and when he explained it to me, it took a while to register. I was like, "Really? Like that seems, re- like really? Are we actually doing that?" And I went down there yesterday, and it was fantastic. You know, the whole the whole setup you see on the photos, the the car like completely valeted with these your club, our uh, our club, your car stickers on the side of it. Um, all the club staff down there. It was it was a great laugh, and you know, I think it's a really symbolic giveaway, an incredibly generous giveaway from Thomas as well, but. Just to sort of go full circle, you know, this Range Rover saga was one of the first things that came to light in the decline of ESI and Matt Southall and and everything. And to sort of have that as being these sticking points, you know, the Range Rovers, the the apartment up in London and all this stuff, to then it go all the way around to those Range Rovers being um, recouped and one of them being put up for auction, um, in a in a giveaway for for Charlton supporters to drive around in, it's just uh, 
it's an unbelievable statement. It, it's just like it's it's great. And some of the stuff yesterday with the loaf of bread and everything as well, it was it was it was a great laugh. And um, yeah, I mean, whoever wins that, what a what a gift to get before Christmas. And the fact that all you've got to do is is keep purchasing those Valley Pass streams uh, between now and I think it's the I can't remember the date exactly, the middle of December, something like that is. Uh, it's it's a no brainer really to get involved and enter it because you know imagine from a personal point of view you've been through that pain of seeing your football club getting torn apart and you end that year driving around in one of the people responsible's cars for nothing you know it's it's great so um yeah a, a massive well done to to everyone at the club for getting that organised because it's it's a real symbolic uh, giveaway and and it it sort of puts the final nail in the coffin of that that period of our you know of history for Charlton get that out of the way and it's it's a real symbol for us now to move forward and uh yeah whoever good luck to everyone who enters and hopefully I win it but probably won't <laughs> but whoever does yeah. win it what a piece of history to have you know and what a story to tell you know your Charlton supporting family as you as they grow up as well that you were the person that that won the car from the the ownership that was ESI it'd be uh yeah, a real hilarious story to tell your friends and family in the future. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it would be. I, I would start asking a few questions if you want it, Lewis. No offense, I said that to Amy yesterday as well. She said, "Oh, I might enter that." I was like, "Come on, they're not gonna. If 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 you won it, I'm fairly confident they put a ticket back in because they did. Everyone would be accusing the club of uh." Of uh, looking after looking after me or something, but Tom, I mean, Lewis mentioned there it, it's the symbolic gesture as well, and it's getting like the the idea of getting the fans involved. So obviously, Lauren Kramer, the the lawyer who represented the club's best interests, I think during that 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 court case was there. Ben Hayes, who was there on the day uh, that um, the South Southall and that were were led away from the boardroom, as was Lewis. Actually, was out there watching it with us. So you know. Sym- symbolically, it's, it's, it shows how well that the the fans are be- becoming part of the club again, and you know, the, and it is funny as well. It, it, it's a great idea, and it certainly caught the imagination of a lot of people. It's great, yeah. In terms of just public PR for us, for anyone picking up on the the story earlier this week, we referenced earlier some of the headlines that you saw, like BBC Sports saying Sangar was being threatened to or asked to leave the club, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, to now have a PR stunt where you've got a car worth 90 grand that was part of this mad regime now being offered out to fans for, what is it, £10, I think, to buy a a pass for one game. I think it's brilliant. Um, And you're right, the fans is such a massive thing because I'm pretty sure even Southall said it when they come in, you know, we're going to make the fans part of it again and blah, 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 blah. But Thomas Sangard, once again, has not just said something he has put it into action and it's easy to forget what a short space of time he has been at the club um because of how much he's already done he is engaging with fans he is um doing things like this you know bringing fans on board and we know that the people at the club in terms of behind the scenes and obviously some of us know them um better than than some but we know that those people care about the club uh, and care about the relationship with the fans and want to make this work. But you need to have an owner and someone at the top of the club who is prepared to allow you to do those things. And, you know, the interviews that Ollie has done with Steve and with Thomas over the past few weeks as well, um, these are things that the club have been really good at in the past. You think all the way back to 1905, that used to come out, I think, as a video on iTunes back in the day. And now Ollie's doing those little previews on, on a Friday night. You know, there's just 
all those little bits that make the club the club that we support are just starting to find their way back in now and i i think that's so important because that's you know that's the club that we we all fell in love with and and we want it back and thomas is allowing people to bring that back and he hasn't got to do an awful lot because as i say the structure is there with the personnel there to do a lot of the work he just needs to give them a bit of free reign and a bit of license to do it and we know that there's good people in the club and there's goodwill at the club and it's just great to see it all coming together and great that it's basically talking over the noise that Paul Elliott is making I go back to the I won the election tweet out in America he's being drowned out and there's nothing that will annoy people like that more than not being listened to um so I think it's absolutely brilliant um and I hope I'm not too close to the club to win it because I'd quite like it but uh, yeah, that's a side point. Whoever wins it, it'll be a lovely Christmas present. Yeah, well, if, whoever wins it, if they want to give it to me, you know, you know, we have to put some distance between the competition and myself. Then I'll be more than happy to take it off your hands. That'd be absolutely brilliant. Right, I did ask. Uh, uh, I wanted to gauge how people are actually feeling about about this situation because, like I say, I had about ten minutes last week where I was like, "Oh, this sounds quite serious." Uh, but then, having read a few things and spoken to a couple of people, that like, now nah, I don't, I don't, I don't think much will come out of this or, or, or anything like that. But I was interested to see um, what other people felt about it. So, I mean, a lot of tweets have come in. So, forgive me if I don't uh, read yours out. Martin Brown said, "I'm, I'm not worried at all." Thomas seems to be convinced he's done it right, and that's good enough for me. Uh, Elliot uh, just wants to pay off. Neil Stevens says Elliot should be as confident as winning, the same way I should be confident as coughing of coughing when I've got a stomach bug and, bug and I'm nowhere near the bathroom. I hope you're not speaking from experience there, Neil. Um, Alan says not worried about the outcome, but concerned about the distraction and the drain on Thomas's energy and financial resources. Freshfields uh, are expenses. Uh, expensive. Yeah, I, I could see that being a, a problem. Ian says, Louis, has anyone actually asked Elliot face to face why he wants or wanted to own Cholton? Bearing in mind that according to Thomas, it comes with a twenty million pound loss this year. It'd be interesting to hear what reason he has given. Yeah, we, I don't. I don't think that question as such was uh, was directed to to Paul Elliot when it when he appeared on on Talksport. But I mean, everyone can try and guess what his motivations are. Uh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure many people have. Uh, and, and probably why they don't want him anywhere near the club. Um, uh, what else have we got in there? Hambo says, not worried at all. Elliot has his nose in the trough and he's waited to be fed. Nothing more. Hopefully, uh, Thomas Sangar will ensure that not a morsel uh, goes his way. Ryan Hayes uh, throws around some, some accusations, says that Elliot is a pube sniffer. Um, I'm, not, I don't, I'm, going, I'm, going, I'm going to put my hands up, Lewis, and say I don't even know what that is. Any ideas? No, none at all, mate. No. no. <laughs> I mean, you, I, I could guess, uh, but again, <laughs> uh, with that, there you go. At least I've uh, uh, Ryan saying, "Would I accept the challenge of reading it out?" Well, I've accepted it. I don't think I don't think legally that means he is one. But there we go. Uh, Robert Crouch saying, "Do we know that why Paul Elliott's interview on Talksport <laughs> was pre-recorded, uh, and, and why he wouldn't talk with Simon Jordan?" Well, again, I, I, I can't answer for Talksport, but you know, I, I think Simon Jordan certainly would have given him some some difficult questions. Um and uh, yeah, he obviously didn't fancy that, right? Richio's tip said, "I'm just worried about how much the insurance is going to be on the Land Rover I'm going to win." Well, uh, you might find out the hard way if you're lucky enough. Right, let's have a quick break here on Charlton Live. When we come back, just talk a little bit more about something that Thomas Sangard said in the media this week. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B two B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. 
LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back to Charlton Live. This is the big match preview on your Thursday evening. Um, so Something else that Thomas Sangard said this week is quite interesting. Is the, is the fact he stands to lose up to £20 million pounds, uh, in his first year at, Lee, at, at, at Charlton, as we heard there from, from one of the people who tweeted in as well. Um, I mean, this, this Lewis, this, this is a real big... Um, a, a real big step that you have to take in order to own a football club and to be able to to put up those those amount of losses and it, it does show that you don't do that unless you're quite serious about about running the club properly for a few years and you know really trying to make your club make your mark here I mean that, that is one hell of a hit to take isn't it yeah I mean it surprised me a little bit actually how big that hit was but you think when you when you think what we've been through maybe it isn't you know it often going into a football club you are sort of tidying up uh, the party before was mess and some clubs are messier than others and well, I can imagine that we were probably in the probably one of the messiest of football clubs possible <laughs> with with that last lot that we're in so obviously it's not been cheap with you know using fresh fields they're not one of the the cheaper outfits are they for for law all that stuff is you know maybe things that in another in another takeover you wouldn't have to go through because all, all of this history with the previous guys wouldn't have to be looked into and all the the relevant people involved at the time with all these Range Rovers and all the little weird deals that were done in the background that seemed to be coming to light as well. Um, and on top of that, you know, this year, especially with, with the pandemic, it's probably one of the worst years to own a football club because you, you're not getting that gate receipt income that you would if the 
if the stadium was able to allow spectators in. And you've got to think with Thomas as well, that those attendances would have definitely been much higher than we probably anticipated at the start of the season. So that would have been quite a good earner for the football club. Um, so there's that side of it. Obviously, the squad investment, we've, we've always are quite smart in the market, but he even showed willingness to spend money there. But we didn't really need to in the end with the people we bought in. But that's still... Uh, an investment when it comes to the salaries that you have to pay out as well. You know, we practically had a hot, a rebuild again in the summer with players and, and all at a very short amount of time to do so. So there have been those, ex, you know, those expenses that in a regular takeover of a football club, maybe you wouldn't have incurred as many. But unfortunately, we were in just an incredible mess before he came in. And, you know, I think he's referenced to it before, probably days away from going into administration and to get us maybe he's probably put that money in now. I think he mentioned he'd injected twelve million pounds into the club account just to stable the ship and and make get us out of the red, I assume. So it shows, you know, it shows great eagerness from him that he wants to do the right things and he wants to invest uh correctly to get us you know, get us into a stable position. And he's obviously got his ambitions um where of where he sees this football club in the future. He seems like he's in it for the long haul. He's mentioned about when they when he's been asked on the radio how long he wants to be here. He said like a hundred years. You know, <laughs> with his, he's obviously not going to be here that long. But you'd like to think that some kind of connection to him is going to be here for the long term. And I'm I'm really enjoying having Thomas about really because it just uh, it's just so positive. And and he's like a little bit of a big kid with it all, isn't he? Like you can see he's excited and and really passionate about the football club. And it's refreshing to have that after having one extreme of Roland who didn't even consider us 2% of his time to now having an owner who is obsessed. You know, I've just seen a picture of him on BBC News this evening wearing his Charlton 1905 shirt and he's got Charlton cushions all over his sofa and everything. You know, to have that now, it's a, it's a real difference. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that you know, it's, a, it's, a real, it's a real blow for him financially that he's taken those hits so early on. Um, but hopefully it's going to be short-term pain for long-term gain because I think he's got, uh, you know, aspirations of where this football club, uh, where he views it in the future. And I think with the right investment from him and with the management team we have in place and everything, and there's no reason why we can't start to think, you know, about the future a lot more positively than we were a year ago. Yeah, it's, it's certainly come at the right time, really. When you think about the fact that we're in this coronavirus situation and there are no fans coming in and no ticket money, you know that is the right time to have just been taken over uh, by someone with a few bob. Now, of course, something else that's come out of the coronavirus situation, it sort of hit the news again, this headlines, because it's been a change in the rules, Tom. Uh, and I, want, I wonder what your views are on this. So, basically, we're now reverting to the five substitute limit. Um, you know, We had it in, in the nine games after lockdown. You know, and every now and then we would we 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 would make five substitutes. So I mean, it feels like a lot. But Boya, uh, in his press, I haven't got the clip, but he said he said today he voted against it, uh, but it has gone through now. So we will have the ability to use up to five substitutes for the foreseeable future. I'm, I'm assuming to the end of the season. Now, I mean that that's a really it, it will change the way that you look to manage games now. And I'm trying to work out if that, I mean, with with the squad we've got now, is that in our favour? Bo doesn't particularly think it is, but you know, if we if you if you're losing and and tactically things aren't going well, and all of a sudden you can make five changes, I mean, it really does give you the the opportunity to try and try and change things from your substitute bench. I mean, do do, do you see it as a positive? Especially when you consider, obviously, the injuries that the that clubs can have with the amount of games we're playing at the moment. I mean, surely it does allow you the chance to rotate a little bit more. 
I think on the whole, I think it's a positive decision for football and a decision that football had to make because of the sheer amount of games there are. I think Boya's right. It favours the bigger squads and we obviously don't have the biggest squad, although we did bring players in um, since Sangard came in towards the end of the window. Um, I think the the difficulty we have, and I understand why Boya voted against it, partly because our squad's not huge, but also he doesn't make a huge amount of substitutions, I don't think. Um, and so it, I, I see why he perhaps doesn't favour it. I also agree with what he said about it affecting us in the latter part of last season. And I think that's because we were down there fighting for our lives. And so there were teams who did have big squads and had players on probably 20, 30 grand a week sitting on their bench that they could bring off and we couldn't. But having said all that, I think in this league, we're one of the bigger teams. And if you've, if you are one nil down and you've got, I don't know, Washington and Smith and an EK for whatever reason on the bench and a Madison or a Johnny Williams, and you're able to bring them all on for the last 15 minutes and just go for a game, then I think there are positives to it. I also think the injury point is, is the key one, and that's why I said at the start it's so important for football. And when you look at a lot of the players that we've got, you know, Jason Pierce just coming back from injury, obviously got minutes in the Papa Johns. Johnny Williams, injury prone, I think has come back from Wales with a little niggle. Madison still playing his way to full fitness. And EK, a little bit injury prone. We've got that throughout the side. So I think it's really important that we're able to rotate those players as much as we can. Of course, you need the squad to do it. And I think that's probably why Boyer has said he'd rather it didn't because we don't have it at the moment. But if he can get five or six players in in January, then that could make a real difference to us towards the back end of the season to be able to rotate players um, and, and keep them all fresh in the running, particularly if we're fighting for the top two or playoff places. So... I'm pleased it's in, personally. I see that it's probably not going to benefit us for the next few weeks, but I am pleased they've made that decision. Excellent stuff. Right, since we were last on uh, with a podcast, obviously before the international break, uh, the Addicts uh, have played again in the Papa John's Trophy. Let's have a listen to what happened when Charlton faced Leighton Orient last week. He just gets a foot in, but Gendor, super persistence, wins the ball back for Charlton. Ball into the box, and Albie Morgan. Albie Morgan crossing the dead, and Torres gets the opening goal for the Addicts. Great piece of football. And drilled home for his first goal, first senior goal on his debut. Was a mature and Charlton are 1 0 up after 11 and a half minutes. It's going to be Marcus Madison left footed in towards the edge of the six yard box. A brilliant ball, and there at the back post, it's cut surely crossed the line. I think, is that I do? No, it might be Mingi uh, at the back post. The substitute who came on in the second half. He now cuts inside to the D and he plays it into Louis Dennis, who does finally get his shot away. And Leighton Orient have scored, and that's been coming, you have to say. Yeah, and if there was anyone who's going to score, it was going to be Louis Dennis. Turley brings it forward. Stopped by uh, Albie Morgan, who Great spots uh, Madison on the run and into the uh, edge of the penalty area. Madison, will he take a shot with his left foot? He does! Oh, oh what a finish! Oh, that's a quality finish from Marcus Madison. Turley came out from his centre-half position. He overrun the ball. Albie Morgan picked his pocket, saw the run of Madison, who sprinted to the edge of the penalty area. One touch into the penalty area, smashed it with his left foot into the roof of the net. You and me, I love pizza, it's
There we go. A 3-1 victory over the O's. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't mean anything for us because we're already out of the Papa John's. But it was a decent performance, Tom. Uh, some youngsters in there scoring their, their first goals. And, of course, uh, you know, one that probably really caught the eyes. The fact that Marcus Madison got his first goal uh, in a Charlton shirt as well. I mean, it, obviously, don't don't want to focus too much on the game because it was mainly a youth side, Tom. But were you pleased with, with what you saw that, that evening? Um, obviously, Madison getting off the mark is good. But you said that Abby Morgan... Uh, progress further he felt in that game and, and like I say a few youngsters who uh, who did well yeah Terry and I were saying it before the game that every player that was in that starting 11 had a reason to want to perform and want to impress Lee Bowyer so it's very easy when there's a nothing game like that to go along and have that mindset that actually you're not going to enjoy it I, I actually went and it's I know I haven't been able to be at games a lot this season but it was one of the most enjoyable games. And I don't know if it was because I had the opportunity to be there but or whether there was nothing riding on it. But I thought the team just played really well. And yeah, you look at the positives from our side. Maynard Brewer just getting some minutes is obviously good because he's our reserve keeper and we might need him. Jason Pierce coming back, obviously really positive. Uh, Marcus Madison, as you say, getting game time, obviously positive. I thought Albie Morgan played really well and... In fact, Tell and I described him as one of the senior players in that team, which seems mad given his actual age. But I also thought some of those younger players did really well as well. Um, the two up front caused their defence real problems. And it was a good late in Orient side. Let's not forget, they've qualified in this tournament, whatever you want to make of the tournament. Um, and they played some really nice football. But I thought we handled them well. I thought, uh, as I say, the two youngsters up top did well. Uh, and it was just all round a, a very enjoyable performance. There's players like Vennings, like Morgan, you know, on the fringes of the the first team are going to want those opportunities. So, yeah, we're out of that tournament and ultimately I'm glad about that. But I, I think it was a good performance um, and good to just get some minutes in the legs of people like Madison and Pierce going into this run we've got now where we're basically two games a week for the next, I don't know how long. Um, so, yeah, all in all, I think a good night all round, to be honest. Excellent stuff. Right, one more little bit of audio I thought you might be interested in as well. Now you'll remember during the transfer window, Charlton were heavily linked with a young player uh, from Boreham Wood, young Sorber Thomas. Now I saw Sorber playing uh, for the Wood against Bromley on Tuesday evening and I thought, why not go and have a chat with him uh, after the game? Just to ask him uh, for his thoughts on the uh, the whole situation during the transfer window where obviously the Addicts uh, had a bid turned down. Uh, he was since placed on the transfer list by Boreham Wood uh, who are obviously trying to test the market see what it's like in January um, Steve Gallen has suggested we probably won't go back in for him but you never know uh, so I thought it'd be interesting just to find out how he's feeling now after that that transfer window uh, whether he's still happy at Boreham yeah literally obviously having a conversation with the Gaffer, conversation with the chairman I'm happy where I am at the moment I'm happy where I'm like my football and I, I, I love my teammates and I'll do everything I can put 100% into every game I play for the club and hopefully get a promotion this year yeah, I mean, obviously the, the club put you on the transfer list as well. So do you, do you feel like you're sort of in the shop window a little bit? or? Um, like I said, look, I'm here for the team. I'm literally playing week in, week out, putting 100% into the pitch for the team. And whatever happens on the outside, that's a conversation I need to have with the gaffer and the chairman. But other than that, my head's still on my football still. I'm a ball player and I'll always be a ball player too. I'm told not to. Yeah. So... Like I said, I'll put 100% into the pitch, play for my team, and you know, who knows what can happen in the future. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the Charlton interest was the one that was reported quite a lot. I mean, was that something you were aware of much at the time? Or? 
Yeah, look, I have a relationship with the, with the gaffer, with the chairman, and as soon as there was a bit of interest, they did let me know. Uh, we had a little conversation, and like I said, like I'm a ball with player until I'm told not to, told, told not. So as I'll put 100%, 110% into the game for the team and get the boys to where they should be. That's in the, that's in the football league, and that's our aspirations for this year. And listen, they're still still on course. See what happens. Yeah, I guess it's one of those where you want to be in the football league, but at the same time, if you can do it with the club you're with currently, that'd be even better. Yeah, exactly. I've been a bowler for six years. I've done my college there. I've done a lot of growing. I've been with the gaffer for so many years now. So, in an ideal world, I'd love to do it with Warren Woods. But whatever the future has hold for me, for the club, like I said, like I want to do it with Bournemouth. In an ideal world, that's what I want to do. But no one knows what the future holds. And let's see what happens. Swings it towards the far post. Innis jumps, heads down. Bogle touchdown. Bradley smacks it in. And Charlton take the lead. That's a really well-worked corner. Innis with the head down. Bogle touches it. And Darren Prattley, the substitute, just smacks it into the roof of the net. Charlton Live. Right, welcome back to Charlton Live, the big match preview. Uh, let's start to focus our attention on Saturday's trip to Gillingham then. Um, well, we just heard from Sorba Thomas there just before the break, by the way. And uh, yeah, very, very nice young man. He's got an absolute screamer uh, against Bromley on Tuesday. And obviously uh, focusing on keeping his head down, concentrating on his football. But as he said, you never know what's going to happen in the future. And if Charlton do have a look at him, uh, again, that'd be very interesting. Apparently, he's a he's a player that that Steve Gallen saw as a bit of a project, a bit like Macaulay Bond if he was to come in, but it wasn't to be at the time. But like you say, uh, you never ever know. Right, Gillingham then coming up on Saturday. Um, Lewis, uh, how much do you hate Gillingham, or do you literally not care about them? Because <laughs> I mean, Bo's asked about it in in press day, which we'll hear later on. But I mean, I still uh, we we take the mick out of this one about calling it El Kentico and you know the red hot fiery derby for a couple of years. But really, no one cares about this fixture, do they? No, not really. <laughs> not bothered by it at all. It's it's dubbed as a Kent derby, isn't it? But when your football team isn't based in Kent, I don't really know how you can call it a derby. It's just there. Uh, I think it stems back, doesn't it, to to Paul Scally with the with the Valley Express and thinking that we were we were poaching fans from Kent to come and watch us when we were in the Premier League or something like that. But it's it, yeah, I'm not bothered really. I'm more bothered about Steve Evans. I'm not I'm not really bothered about Gillingham. It's more uh, Steve Evans that I don't like, and uh, I'm looking forward to Bowie's uh, post match on him well hopefully we win so he won't be too annoyed but remember the last one was infamous I think Tom's watched it about a hundred (laughs) times so yeah it's uh, one of those games I'm not bothered about the the Gillingham rivalry if you like but it'd just be nice to get one over on Steve Evans because I don't like him and neither does Lee Bowyer yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, especially with the fact there's not going to be any crowd and we actually get to hear what Steve Evans shouts, Tom, because normally, you know, from a distance, you can see him going absolutely ballistic, him and Paul Rayner on the touchline and really, you know, a bit embarrassing, really. But now with no crowd in, we're actually able to hear what he says as well. 
Yeah, I'd rather not, to be honest, but there we go. But, yeah, you're right. I think if we can get another one over on him, that'll be lovely. If he can wind Lee Bowyer up anywhere near what he did last time, that would be delightful as well. I mean, Gillingham, he's got a lot to shout at them about this year, hasn't he? I know they're not in the relegation zone or anything like that, but they're not exactly blowing the uh, League One apart at the moment. I think they've won a couple recently, but they've they lost five or six in a row before that, I think, so they were on an awful run, so... Yeah, I'm a bit like Lewis, really. I'd rather they just didn't exist at all. I don't really see it as a rivalry. It's just not a particularly nice place to go. Um, and as you said right at the start of the show, luckily we don't have to this year. Uh, it's a game that we should be targeting and should be expecting a victory from, certainly. Um, and yeah, as I say, if Steve Evans can get wound up and just wind Bowyer up a little bit as well, that that's probably what I'm looking for from this game. Excellent stuff. Yeah, the Jills did have a losing streak of uh, five games uh, just before the international break, then they went and won one nil at Crew, uh, beat Woking three two in the FA Cup with uh, Charlton Loney, Josh Davison getting one of the goals for the cards. There, he's got an absolute hatful, hasn't he? Since he's gone uh, over there, same as George Lapsy has actually for for Mansfield Town. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're they're not pulling up any trees. They're sitting in sixteenth uh, uh, on thirteen points, only four points clear of Oxford inside the uh, relegation zone. But I guess uh, for for a Gillingham side, the sort of floating around in mid-table in League One's probably a bit of an achievement uh, for them. Now, let's uh, focus uh, on it from a more Charlton point of view. Obviously, the players have been off uh, for international duty. So, Bowyer was asked, before we hear him talk about Gillingham, uh, how they are coming back from the international break. Starting off, uh, of course, with Chris Gunter, who's now just one shy of hitting the uh, fantastic mark of 100 games for Wales. Um, yeah, Chris, I'm, I'm pleased for Chris. He's just one away now, isn't he? So, um, to, to that that milestone, that, that 100 that that'd be some some achievement. So uh, um, he's obviously got to wait a while now until March and next ones. But um, I'm, I'm pleased for him. Uh, Johnny Connor Washington hadn't come back this morning. Um, he was planned to to return this afternoon, so he'd be in probably now getting getting a rub and and getting some recovery into him. Um, just preparing for tomorrow's training. Johnny Williams has come back with a slight groin. Which is disappointing. Um, we was aware of it earlier on in the week, but um, he's come back and he, he was showing awareness of it today. So, um, which is disappointing for us. Gillingham away. Is there a rivalry there between the two clubs? Um, I think there's a slight one. Um, I wouldn't say there's our main rivals. Um, but yeah, I'd say that there's there's a little bit of rivalry, maybe more so from from their side than than ours, uh, because obviously the, the the distance isn't too far. But um, there might be a little rivalry there, yeah, maybe. And one o'clock on Saturday. Um, do you have any concerns about it being earlier? I mean, considering that geographically you're not travelling too far. Yeah, no, we'll be staying at home um, the night before, so uh, it's not too far to travel, like you said. So no, I'm not, I'm not concerned about the time of the kickoff. Uh, that that should be fine for us. There's, it's a bit of a strange time, one o'clock. You don't really get that one, but um, but yeah, it's it's fine. It's not going to disturb us too much. Steve Evans is a, a character, I guess. Uh, um, how much do you know about him? What, what do you think of him as a as a manager? Um, Steve is definitely a character. 
uh, <laughs> he's very vocal um, on the sidelines, um, him and his assistant. So, uh, but but I like Steve. I get on with Steve. You know, we uh, I have that mutual respect with with everyone that's in the opposite dugout, and and Steve's no different. Um, so yeah, I've, I've spoken to him on a number of occasions about players. So uh, yeah, looking forward to it. What he does do, he's, he's doing a great job there. I have to say that because um, I know it's, it's difficult for, for Gillingham financially. Um, and, and he's put a squad together and he's getting the best out of them. And the tough place to go. Um, the one thing that his players do do is, is give him 100%. I've seen that in the games that I've watched. Um, they was unlucky against uh, Sunderland and against Fleetwood. That they was very unlucky. So, uh, so yeah, it's it's definitely going to be a tough game. Um, our players they they'll have to be ready physically uh, for sure, and um, then we have to do what 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 I like us to do and. and and it'll make it an interesting game. There we go. Those Bo uh, had his own say on it. Uh, the uh, the rivalry between Charlton and Gillingham very much more of a Gillingham thing, if anything. I remember once actually, I went to a Bromley versus Gillingham preseason friendly in a, in my Charlton shirt, and I got booed by some Gillingham fans. And I honestly couldn't work out why. I was like, what? What have I done? It took me about five minutes to realise it's because I was a Charlton fan, and they think we have a rivalry, but clearly, uh, clearly we don't. Um, yeah, Bo. Uh, yeah, disappointing news, Tom. That that Johnny Williams has come back from the international break with a little a little groin strain. I think, as as Bo was saying, because someone pointed out to me, he trained today. But I think Bo was implying in what he said there that he felt it more today. So, yeah, that that that's a bit of a letdown because obviously Johnny with with his with his goals uh, in in the last month, we're we're looking for him to to continue that that decent bit of form on. But I guess with Johnny, that's that's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it's something we're going to have to live with, unfortunately. Um... I was I saw that he wasn't picked for either of the last two games. I think he was on the bench yesterday or the day before for the Wales game. Um and I assumed that he was being rested and hoped it wasn't an injury. So especially if he was on the bench for the last game, I suspect it is something that wasn't a particular concern and then he's just maybe as you say aggravated a little bit today which is frustrating. You're right, he's look we know what he can do. Um and you're right, he's come into a little bit of form recently, particularly in terms of goal scoring. But having said that, as I mentioned earlier, when we were talking about the, the big bad Papa John's trophy, Marcus Madison got his goal there. I thought, again, he was a little bit rusty in the first half, but I thought he really started to improve in the second half and, and had a good performance there, albeit against League Two opposition. So hopefully we can start to build a bit of healthy competition for, for those places now. Um and if Johnny Williams isn't fully fit, then maybe it's a chance for Marcus Madison to get some some minutes uh, for the first team again. So, yeah, of course, disappointed because I love the guy and want to see him play every game. But we have to appreciate that he does come with this occasionally. And as I say, we've we've got a bit of a squad now that can hopefully rotate in and someone else will get a chance. Yeah, it feels like ages ago, doesn't it, Lewis? And uh, it's, it's probably easy to forget how good a run of form we are on in the league. Six uh, wins in a row, uh, only conceded two goals in, in the last, what, seven games. Um, you know, we, we are playing some really nice stuff in League One. Obviously, you forget about the FA Cup defeat against Plymouth. Um, you know, you, you can't count the 3-1 win against Leighton Orient, even though there was some, some nice stuff in there. But, you know, I mean, th- this is a team that's on form. And now Bayou's been talking about the fact they've had this this two weeks to start training properly with each other. Because don't forget, it was, again, as it's going to be over the next few weeks, it was relentless 
relentless in terms of your Saturday, Tuesdays. We've got a Saturday, Wednesday coming up in a couple of weeks. So to, to actually get some time on the training ground together to work on some shapes and some uh, you know uh, passages of play, I mean, that can only, only make us even better. Yeah, definitely. And the start we've had, really, given the preseason as well, you think we we put that side together just after Thomas took over, you know, so late on, we'd already, we're already sort of three games in and to then sort of play the way we have and, and pick up the results we have has been phenomenal, really a, a fantastic achievement. So to now have that time, like you say, to maybe get them on the training ground and, and get them playing different passages of play together and walking through a couple of the tactics and things that maybe they wouldn't have had the chance to do with that relentless schedule that we, that we had just before the international break it's going to be key. And also for, you, you think, for getting players back as well, because just before, you know, we, we'd lost uh, Akim Famwo. I mean, that's a, that's probably another another couple of weeks now um, out of the way until he's back, which is always positive because he's been really impressive. It's probably a good rest for some of those players that have, have been playing a lot of minutes, you know, for Chucks and um, the strikers that haven't had a huge amount of football that have been, you know, like Omar Bogle even has been playing a lot of minutes, hadn't really had a pre-season um and and also for like the likes of Marcus Madison who had that great performance in that in that cup game uh and has now had a couple of weeks to to sort of continue that sharpness on the training ground and try and get up to the Marcus Madison that we that we know can perform at this division so um it's going to be i think it's been uh, very useful i think it's you can look at it either way really you could say that will it affect the momentum because we'd had the the great run we had in the league obviously we lost in the in the FA Cup but showed that we can bounce back immediately with a win uh, in the pizza trophy whatever it is so it it's it's a good it's a useful break to have because of the the hectic schedule um but more so like you say i think from the training perspective and actually getting some time to work with those players that we've brought in it's going to be it's going to be paramount into going into this next run because again it's it doesn't let up does it this division we've got another hectic schedule ahead and some big games in there as well. You know, the likes of Ipswich coming up, which are going to be real tests because um, they're teams that are up there with us, but we've shown that we can perform, you know, against the likes of Portsmouth as well. So, yeah, it's it's been a useful time to to get everyone firing and I'm looking forward to to seeing how we play on Saturday and, and to see what these couple of weeks rest have done for for those players coming through. And, yeah, it's it's great. You know, it's just nice to have a whole squad, isn't it? Like, we're looking at options and everything and, and the fact that we've got players in now that, we're trying to, you know, get up to speed completely and that didn't have much of a preseason, but yet we're still on this incredible run. You know, we'd only conceded those two goals against Fleetwood. And apart from that, we were looking at clean sheets and victories everywhere. So yeah, I think it's it's fantastic, isn't it? I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing how we how we hit this next run going into a, a hectic winter schedule. Yeah, it's really going to be interesting actually to see um, who Bo goes with up top as well because obviously he's been rotating the strikers. Chuksanike has been in fine form when he's been coming off the bench re- uh, recently. I thought Omar Bogle has looked better and better over the last few weeks. And you've got Connor Washington who's scoring goals for fun. Uh, Paul Smith who's uh, of course uh, nipped in with a lovely assist away at Portsmouth and, and has looked lively when he's on the ball, Tom. So, but, I mean, Bo's got some real headaches. I imagine there will still be a lot of that rotation as we go into this, you know, the, the, the next couple of weeks with another four games. But it, he really has got a, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, room to play with as well. Yeah, and that's the exciting thing now is we've got up, options up there. And, you know, I'm trying to desperately think of another player I can compare Bogle to just to wind up Nath, but I can't off the top of my head. But I'll have one ready for, for next time. Yeah, maybe Maradona. I was thinking more, 
or sort of figure wise. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think Washington certainly seems to be the one who's who's weighing in primarily with the goals at the moment. But I'd love to see him and Anike up there myself. I think Anike, obviously we saw him at Swindon in the, the League Cup at the start of the season, looked brilliant there, got a goal. Obviously got uh, COVID and, and has had a little niggle and now he's back again. I think he's looked good again. So I'd like to see those two up there, Smith and Bogle. You're right, I think it's going to take some time for, for all of those players to, to gel. And when they're not playing week in, week out, because there is that rotation, it's obviously a little bit harder as well. But we've got options up there. We've got goals in this team. Um, so you're right, it's going to be interesting to see how he sets up and who he chooses to go with. But I think uh, all being fit, Washington and Anike would be the two I'd like to see up there from the start. But as I said, with the five substitutions as well, we've got that opportunity to rotate up there now. So... It's exciting, you know, and that's what I was saying right at the start. You know, all this stuff that's gone on over the international break and and Paul Elliott getting back involved and everything, it just takes away from what we're here to do, which is enjoy the game. And, and as I say, it's an away trip to Gillingham, which is, you know, hardly the glamour tired a weekend. But I'm really looking forward to just sitting down and watching some football again, to be honest. Yeah, hopefully will be a good game. Interesting to see exactly how we line up at the back, of course. I think uh, with Akin Fainwell still out, I think obviously Ryan Innes... Uh, will be back. I just don't know whether Pierce is going to be quite ready or not. When I asked Bo after the, the Pizza Trophy game, he said he thought that this would be too soon for for Jason to come in and start. Obviously, the 45 minutes he played against Leighton Orient was his first of the season since that Leeds game when we got relegated. He got injured uh, over the summer, didn't he? So it'd be interesting to see how we line up. But anyway, let's have a look at some predictions then. Uh, Lewis and Tom Lewis, how do you think it's going to go? I'm going to go 3-0 Charlton. Nice, nice. Slap those jewels about on their own patch. What about you, Tom? I was going to go four, but it doesn't sound that big now, so I'm going to go five nil. Yeah, ten nil. Ten. No, don't be silly. No, all right, nine. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Right, we've come to the end of uh, this week's big match preview. Thanks to all of you who've listened to the show. Thanks to Lewis and to Tom for getting involved. Cheers. Cheers, mate. No worries. Good. Good to have you both on. Back to your modelling career now, of course, Lewis. I've been uh, Louis Mendes. Thank you for listening. We'll be back on Sunday to look back at the game against the Jills uh, and, of course, ahead to next Tuesday's trip to Burton Abbey. We look forward to speaking to you again on Sunday evening. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. 
Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.